Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What do you want them to take away from the experience? Uh, the relationships, the connections, um, watching the veteran guys go about their business, how they prepare, the routine, how they develop those routines uh, was basically the biggest takeaway, how, how, how to lead by example, you know, not only with what you say, but by your actions. And that was some of the messages that, that was said to them. We're back. So weekends of Grapefruit League action. We just talked about a little bit about the Mets' reluctance to bring another starter in. And one last thing on this, and and I think this is where it's so important if they want to compete this year. And the way you're going to get this is, and the way they're trying to get this is they're hoping that Manaya and Severino develop back into those into what I'm about to describe, into those kind of pitchers. But when you have a rotation full of six-inning, three-run type guys, there's nothing wrong with that. They'll keep you in the game, you hand it over to the bullpen, big hit late, bullpen takes over, you win the game 4-3, 5-3. I mean, it's it's a blueprint that every team uses, and you have to use on a lot of nights. It's not like, even if you're uh, Max Scherzer, sometimes he would only go six innings, uh, pitch counts and whatnot. But when you're, you have the kind of pitchers that are not Max Scherzer, that are not Jacob DeGrom, that are not that top of the rotation, which maybe, maybe even Kodai Senga is not quite that. You know, we don't know. What happens with teams that don't have those pitchers is they tend to go on long losing streaks and they don't have that guy that could come in and lock it down. Chris Bassett was a perfect example of that guy in 2022 because when they had no DeGrom and they had no Scherzer, you knew Bassett was going to go out there for the most part and give you seven strong innings. So if you had a lousy couple of days and he was on the mound, you knew it would stop the, the losing streak. Six inning, three run, mid, you know, lower end of the rotation, mid-tier rotation guys, they don't always pitch well against elite offenses. They don't always pitch well on the road. There's a lot of pitfalls that those guys run into where when they're at the end of the year, they have an ERA of whatever, 4.2, 4.5, which is not bad. But if you start going into their game log and their line score, you see these swaths of games that maybe they were non-competitive. Bartolo Colon at the end of his career, as much as he was a really valuable member of the rotation, he would inevitably have those kind of lousy games. And it really hurt his overall numbers because at times he was about league average to below league average in totality, but he was so much better than that when you watch them because he would have four or five really good starts and then a couple of stinkers that outweighed maybe the success he had in those five starts. So when you're bringing in a Montgomery, who I believe has arrived as a top-of-the-rotation option, the feeling is those guys won't have those kind of outings. You could rely on that guy going into Atlanta and pitching a big game. Now, Severino could become that guy. He's dialing it up to 98. You saw that in spring training. Maybe Manalia, he cut his hair. He's going the DeGrom route. Maybe he picks up a couple of more miles per hour. I mean, DeGrom cut his hair. He took his game to the next level. 
work for DeGrom? I guess it could work for Manaya. We'll see. But anyway, that's my last point. Uh, I, I find it so peculiar. And I will say, when Montgomery signs, and if he signs for a crazy contract that someone gives him out there, Aaron Nola's seven-year deal, maybe it'll lessen the Mets' blow for them not being involved. But I would be curious to see Stearns's or somebody do some reporting on why they don't like Montgomery. What do they feel is wrong with Montgomery? Because I can't, I don't understand it. But anyway, all right. So it's been a really long time. And you heard Carlos Mendoza in the clip coming in talk about the kids, the Acunas, the Gilberts, the Jet Williams. You could throw in the Hamels and the Tyler Stewarts and the Christian Scotts and the Mike Vazel the pitchers. It's been a long time that I've been able to this early in spring training, the first week. Now, these kids have all been sent to minor league camp. So the next time you hear from them, it's going to be as a call-up at some point or whatever they're doing down in the minor leagues. You know, Maybe they don't get a call-up, but how they develop for 2025. But I was thinking, as I saw Gilbert get a, 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 go the other way and get an RBI single in a Kuhn has shown off some of his, uh, you know, speed out there, his defensive prowess up the middle, playing second with Lindor, Jet Williams with his speed and his smoothness as a shortstop, and who knows where he's going to wind up when it all when it's all said and done. He could be an outfielder, something at his best position, center field. So you talk about versatility. These kids, Acuna and 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 Jet Williams and Gilbert, have versatility, but. From an offensive perspective, I haven't seen this much excitement over young positional players in the Mets organization, maybe since Wright and Reyes. I mean, think about it. I guess Blasting's Millage would fall into that. Carlos Gomez maybe back then, if you want to throw those two guys in there. I mean, think about it. Alonzo and McNeil snuck up on us. McNeil did, for sure. But even though Alonzo had power during his time in the minors, it wasn't until he hit double A with McNeil and started mashing. And really, there was always skepticism about how good Alonzo was going to be. Even in triple A, and he played in Vegas, which nobody takes those numbers seriously. He played in Vegas, and people still thought, well, maybe Dom Smith is going to be the, the solution. Pete's going to be the traded guy. Not the hype that you're seeing with how excited, and even scouts talking about Gilbert being Lenny Dykstra with power, Acuna and his defensive skills and his speed. And you look just, forget about Jet Williams, who's a complete wild card. That's the guy that probably isn't going to be around this year, but you can see having a big year in AA and, and providing speed and defense and versatility and an offensive profile that makes the Mets midseason say, can we ignore this kid any longer? Especially if a Marte looks shot especially if McNeil does not return to his batting title form and is more of a singles-hitting, below-league-average, streaky utility guy, especially if that's the case. And at what point does even a Harrison Bader who rebounds to play every day and doesn't get hurt, in reality, he's at best a league-average hitter, at best with elite defense, who might be ticketed for the rest of his career to be maybe a fourth outfielder. It's possible. When do those things come into play? At what point? And if you're looking down at AAA and you see Gilbert hitting like Michael Conforto down there and Acuna doing a good uh, uh, impression of Jose Reyes 
and Jet Williams all of a sudden being the real stud of them, where you're like, I, I can't ignore these kids. It's almost like a, an energy shot midseason. So depending on where the Mets are at, you know, maybe they're f- muddling around with the muck and the wild card. Maybe they're surprising and leading one of the wild card spots. Maybe they're completely out of it. No matter what the situation is at that point, these kids are going to be, at least on the offensive side, a big storyline. I believe even the pitchers at some point are going to be a big storyline because the 2025 Mets, as they continue to try to build and maybe go out and play in the deep end of the free agent pool next offseason, whether that be re-signing Alonzo, uh, Alex Bregman for third base, a Soto uh, union, who knows, maybe get back in with Zach Wheeler if he doesn't re-sign with the Phillies, Walker Bueller. There's so many possibilities on both the pitching and the offensive side But in order to commit to those dollars, and they will be big dollars, these kids are going to have to come in and provide every day above average to, you know, hopefully near all-star status, maybe greater if 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 it goes that way, at a at a league minimum cost. And and look, a lot of what you see out of Gilbert really, why can't he be another Michael Conforto? 25 home runs, 80, 85 RBIs with good defense. I mean, Conforto had a great arm. It sounds like Gilbert's even better, and he could play center. But Conforto was a little miscast as a center fielder. Didn't do poorly, but that wasn't his primary position. Acuna, I know it's maybe, you know, baseball sacrilegious here to compare him to Reyes. But, I mean, with that speed, I mean, that's a guy. Maybe he's not his brother in terms of power, but his brother's out there stealing, stealing 70 bases. Why can't he? in the current, you know, two-pick-off, three-pick-off rule era of baseball. And then there's Jet Williams. I mean, how many players can be elite in center and up the middle and hit with power with his size? I mean, people have compared him, scouts have compared him to Jose Altuve. Now, this is all really fun things to say at the beginning of March, beginning of spring training. It's all mental bubblegum. There's nothing about it that we can prove it's going to happen. But there is some reason to believe and get excited that those names that I evoke, the Confortos with Gilbert and the Reyes's with Acuna and, you know, Altuve with Jet Williams, scouts see some of those same exciting characteristics that those players have in these young players, which should completely transform the Mets offense on the fly. If Marte shot, if Bader is an albatross in their lineup and they can't carry that glove because he's so bad offensively and he's always hurt. If McNeil, indeed, the, his best days are behind him because now he's got bicep issues, he's got you know, ligament issues in his elbow, who knows? You know what, what, what version of McNeil? It's on again, off again with McNeil. Are you going to get the on again version because you got the off again version that you got in 21 and 23 uh, last year? So we'll see about that. But um, I, I'm very excited. I think it's legitimately so, and it's okay to get excited. I know prospects have burnt Mets fans in the past, whether it be Generation K or, you know, the injuries to Reyes or how frustrating at times the the four aces, the Harvey, the Wheeler, the DeGrom, the, the Mats, because even when they pitched well, they never really pitched well at the same time altogether at top of rotation level. And, of course, injuries did them in as well. So uh, it'll be really interesting. Now, we announced the Darren Reed Award last Sunday. And early returns are such that we may have someone out of the gate that is leading the way for this award. And a big week for Trace Thompson. Now, Trace Thompson is someone who 
who you may know more for what his brother does on the basketball court than anything he's done in baseball for the Dodgers or the White Sox, but he's the brother of Clay Thompson, member of the Golden State Warriors, uh, all-star, Hall of Famer probably. His father, Michael Thompson, played for the Showtime Lakers. Great basketball pedigree in that family. Uh, now, Trace was signed uh, you know, as a minor league uh, free agent. I don't know what kind of opt-outs, what kind of contract he has here. Uh, but the bottom line is, in his career, he's been wildly inconsistent. Former number uh, second-round pick. Uh, but a couple of years ago, in 2022, he had a really great run at the Dodgers where he was putting up tremendous numbers, hitting home runs, hitting for power, driving in runs. I even think he got a big hit against the Mets in that wild game that Medina wound up saving in extra innings that day. If I'm not mistaken, he might have tied the game off of Seth Lugo. I do remember him being in the middle of a ninth-inning rally or something along those lines. But uh, Trace Thompson, six RBIs, a couple of home runs this week. Don't get too excited. What's really interesting now is if you go to baseball reference and you look at the spring training stats, for any player, they have at the very end a number called opponent's quality. And I don't know how the hell they do this, but basically they show you a number from 1 to 10 an average, and it tells you the numbers that are being produced in the spring is against this level of quality. So right now, whether it be Beatty or Vientos or Trace Thompson or G-Man Choi, another name I'm going to bring up in a couple of minutes, most of them are playing at the all combined at double-A level competition. So you really can't get crazy about the numbers. And I think that's where even Stearns has talked about it. They're going to make decisions on a ton of other things. I mean, Adrian Hauser talked about it. He got hit a little bit hard today. He's like, well, I was working on stuff. Didn't like the results, but I was working on stuff. And away you go. So, I mean, spring training, and I said this last week. Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big-time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one. Triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey, Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
buy rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. More than ever. Uh, it's like a, it's like intra-squad practice. Like There is no desire to win. I think back when I started watching baseball... Winning in the spring wasn't the end-all, be-all, but it was still kind of important. Like, you wanted to build uh, an expectation of winning, and the starters probably stayed in a little bit longer. And as the spring went on, the, the, the starting pitchers went a little bit deeper. And I know some of that will happen this spring, but, I mean, you even heard Brandon Nimmo talk about it. I mean, he feels the key to his health and his ability to play 150-plus games is to not ramp it up in spring training. He learned that lesson during the, the lockout spring. And that, and that even goes to tell you, the lockout spring was, what, a two-week run, two-and-a-half-week run, and the quality of play, Mets got off to a great start, the quality of play didn't suffer. Uh, and these guys, they do so much on their own that really the adrenaline and, and the strategy and all the intensity of the regular season, they want to save that for the regular season now. It's truly like that. So Trace Thompson, I find it hard to believe he's going to make the club um, and uh, – Unless there's an an injury of some sorts, uh, you know, Tyrone Taylor at this point, to me, he's a guy that was acquired from Milwaukee. Uh, he's ticketed to be the fourth outfielder now. Could could uh, Trace Thompson be in play for the DH? I'm still not sure because right now Beatty hasn't. He's looked a little bit better defensively at third. Still not hitting. Vientos popped the home run, playing you know not a great third. I really think Vientos and Beatty are going to have such a huge say on how things transpire with maybe a Trace Thompson getting a more serious look, a Luke Voigt, uh, a G-Man Choi. I mean, that's another guy. And when it was first, when he first signed, I was like, ah, they're just using him for a lottery ticket in spring training. I think he has a far more serious chance of making the club because when you look at him, when he's healthy, and he plays every day. He hits right-handed pitching at a high level. He gets on base at a high level. Uh, he has some pop. He could play a really good first base so he could caddy for Pete Alonso. Pretty much play the role that Dom Smith here had, but Dom Smith didn't hit. Here, you know, Troy hits a little bit, and I know he had a down year last year and he had some injuries, but DJ Stewart is going to have to work to make this club because he had a good August last year. But his resume largely is 4A. Choi is a guy. Now, he can't play the outfield. But if you look at the men's outfield right now and the versatility of McNeil, do you, you, know, you can carry Choi because McNeil could play the outfield. You have Nimmo. You have Bader, uh, Harrison Bader. You have a healthy Marte who looked good the other day. You have Tyrone Taylor. So you have enough with McNeil's versatility outfielders. And you need someone to spell Pete. And Choi, to me, is a guy that's going to get a really a deep look. And I think he has, has a really good shot at making the club. Really good shot. A little bit of that Vogelback rough syndrome with Choi, where you have to play him against one side of the 
uh, 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 you know, basically the right-handed pitcher. But can you see Vientos and Choi uh, making the club? Probably not both, because if Choi makes it, he makes it. Uh, well, no, I could see both, because then he'll make it instead of Stewart, and and I guess then you'd have like a Choi Vientos DH combo with Beatty at third. But it'll be interesting if those guys continue to not hit and not look anywhere near ready for prime time. You know, where would the Mets go with third base and what's the ripple effect? Because there's really no other third base option. What, Zach Short? I mean, I brought him up at Beyond the Mic. That was an interesting, fun spot to do for the newsletter. But that's not the direction you necessarily want to go with a, a, a 4A guy. Uh, I know Stearns put his name in the mix there. So early on... Trace Thompson, Darren Reed Award, not making the club but having a great spring. G-Man Choi, take his uh, roster battle much more seriously against DJ Stewart. Jury's still out on Vientos and Beatty. We, you know, we've seen a little bit better defense from Beatty. Uh, you know, hit a home run from Vientos, but more to come. And uh, they're facing double-A level. According to this metric over at Baseball Reference, both those guys are facing double-A level competition. So... When I see Beatty hitting a buck fifty-four, that doesn't exactly make me feel good about where he is on the developmental curve. Now, one of the biggest things that I've been ranting and raving about, Mets player development's been an issue for on many fronts. We know that. Few lottery tickets they hit on, like the Pete Alonzos, the McNeils of the world. But by and large, they've been ha- they've had to go out and really plug in pretty much every part of their roster with either a trade or a free agent. And it's why they have such a big payroll. It's why they have to take this more conservative approach this past off season. The bullpen particularly is where it's driven me nuts because they're like, I feel like one of the only teams that could never develop a failed starter into reliever or develop any kind of elite relievers. The Dodgers do it all the time. The Rays do it all the time. Uh, it seems like the, you know, even the Braves get guys that come up the Yankees all the time. And it's like, where are the Mets? But now, last week, and he does remind me of Billy Wagner. I know that's what the, the booth talked about. Ron Darling said it right away when he pitched last week. But Nate Lavender is somebody who we've heard a little bit about from our friend Ernie Dove, uh, our good friend that uh, does all the Mets prospects and follows the Mets prospects. We've heard about him as being one of the names to watch, as well as Paul Gervais, to potentially be, get, be getting the early call. Uh, to the big league club. And this is a kid that hadn't, you know, had a halfway decent year in Syracuse last year. Strikeouts almost 14 per nine, 3.27 ERA. His walk rate's still high, almost five, uh, you know, per nine. But when you see this kid, not only does he throw like Billy Wagner, but he doesn't have a very heavy, he has a heavy fastball, not a fast fastball. He's got a little bit of deception with maybe this little herky-jerky, you know, Nestor Cortez uh, slash Marcus Stroman, you know, kind of delay or stutter, whatever you want to call it, with his foot. Nate Lavender is starting to make you wonder, can he sneak into the conversation for the pen? A bullpen that right now pretty much set because you're going to lose guys. Uh, Fujinami is the only one with options. And, I mean, think about it. Uh, What are the odds he's not going to make the club if he's ready? I know he was in Japan tend to personal business. Jeremy Hefner is talking about how he could be an all-star closer with his stuff. If he get, if you could harness Fujinami's stuff with Diaz, that electricity in the 8th and ninth could be, make this really special. And then if you get like a Lavender, even a Drew Smith to finally harness their potential, 
then maybe all of a sudden the Mets have a low-cost option in the bullpen. Now, with Fujinami being lefty and Lavender being lefty and Diekman being lefty, uh, you got you got a lot of lefties in the pen already. And you got Brooks Raley. You really don't need another lefty. Now, I know in the three-batter rule world, lefties all of a sudden, if they go both ways, the situation, the lefty situation is persona non grata. But I just, I see Lavender as a guy, and maybe he's, maybe it's not Trace Thompson. Maybe he comes out and wins the Darren Reed Award this spring and doesn't make the club, but lights out. Big difference is Trace Thompson is a, is a journeyman, and I'm not sure how much of a shot he'll get if he doesn't make the club. Lavender will probably be up in short time because inevitably there will be a need for another reliever on doubleheader or rainout or an injury or who knows what's going to happen as, you know, we've already seen with the Senga injury, which what could happen when it comes to uh, the long baseball season. So uh, other names to look at the rest of the spring, uh, Dedney uh, Nial Nunez, he was actually a Rule 5 draft away from the Mets to the Giants, and they sent them back. He's had Tommy John surgery. Probably would have been in the big leagues already if not for injuries. Wilkin Ramos, Junior Santos, these are names that potentially, and I think there are others that are starting to percolate, and you look at them, and the Mets may have minor league options that are legit options in the bullpen. And as soon as, you know, now, which is a nice place to be because they really haven't been in that place in a long time. So so there's that with the whole thing. But, you know, it's hard right now to make any declaration about anybody because, like I said, if you go up and down, and I found this metric fascinating over at Baseball Reference, everybody's really facing when you, when you get out of that first couple of innings when the starters play, if they all travel, depending if it's a road game. You know, the other team doesn't always send everybody. You're really facing, on average, double-A competition. And uh, that doesn't really lend itself to you have, feeling good about getting excited about anything. Um, but you got a lot of smart guys there on the coaching staff and in the front office, and I'm sure they've got their algorithms, their videos, and their way of evaluating. And, and soon enough, we'll find out what's materializing, where the battles are going. Uh, I had said coming into the spring, there's not as many positional battles as you'd think. I still believe that to be the case. Uh, I think third base is still very much up for grabs. I think DJ Stewart has to really hustle to win a spot. Uh, you know, even as a DH, I think Choi, like I said, has an excellent jo- a shot at making this club because his resume is is better, and he's a, he, the the math indicates that he'll get on base enough and produce enough to be valuable in that bottom part of the lineup. Whereas Stu- DJ Stewart could do the same thing, maybe better but just hasn't done it uh, on his resume as consistently as Choi. And the glove, I think, could be a deciding factor. So to me, that might be the first surprise Choi this spring. Um, And then, of course, like I said, the excitement. And we only saw them for a week, and now they're back in the minor leagues. And they may make their appearances at some point if they need uh, some additional uh, bodies at a big league game at some point this spring. But the Gilbert, Acuna, Jet Williams trio, I think they're going to be a story. And I think I have a, a re- my gut tells me we're, we're going to see at least one of those guys this year. And I think it's very realistic that two out of three makes some kind of debut this year. I really believe Jet Williams is going to push himself into the conversation. We, we may see all three and you may have a controversy if Marte and McNeil are playing well. I mean, you could even say this. Do you put McNeil a third 
if, and it's not his best position, if Beatty's not cutting the mustard and bring up an Acuna to play second. I mean, because that's the other part with this whole third base situation. You didn't sign Matt Chapman. I'm not saying they should have. It would have been nice to go on a pillow contract like that with the uncertainty of of Beatty's performance. But you don't want to lose the draft pick compensation for, for, for Chapman. And there was enough reason to believe that maybe his game has declined a little bit, even on the defensive side. So one week in the books, not a lot to talk about, but some fun early conversations around the kids around positional battles, and of course, the new culture around the Mets, the Mendoza-Stearns era, has begun, and we're starting to hear a little bit about their method of going about uh, their daily uh, business. So anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this Grapefruit Roundup, our first Grapefruit Roundup post-game starting. We kicked off spring training a week ago, but now we're doing the Grapefruit Roundups. Every week we'll be doing the Grapefruit Roundup, so stay tuned for more Grapefruit Roundups every week. And, uh, you know, look, hopefully there won't be injuries to talk about, but hopefully there'll be more performances that make it difficult for us to forecast the final 26-man roster because if there's tough decisions to be made, guys are performing well, and that's an exciting thing. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this latest edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on X at Talking Mets No G and on your favorite podcasting service, Apple, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me at the newsletter, Substack.com slash at Talking Mets No G. And I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network for supporting the show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.